Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics, and we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared, and we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. From uniforms to uniforms. From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small-batched and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Good. How are you? I thought you were going to call me Karen. <laughs> well, I should call you Karen, but I won't. I'll say, hi, Lauren. <laughs> good day. Good day. I'm so excited to be here today. I love yeah. I love podcast days. It's my favorite. Um, yeah, it's a good day. And today's last day of school for my kid anyway, so yeah, I'm pretty no. pumped. I bet. Yeah. We got a few more days here in cameras. We go till we go till Tuesday. So, uh, that's kind of good. Cause I have a few more things to wrap up before mm-hmm. all hell, all hell and fury releases itself. I mean, <laughs> it'll be fun. We're, we're, bu- we're busy this summer, which is exciting. So, so good. So yeah. good. So we're pretty excited today. Uh, we've got Carl McPhee here with us today. Um, hi Carl. Greetings. Hey Carl. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Oh, goodness. Right? <laughs> How far back do there you go. go. No, don't go so far back. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, well, I, <laughs> I'm a dad. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I live in Calgary now. I, I was in the military. Uh, I'm from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. I joined the military when I was 19. Oh, and wow. um, I was, that took me out West. And that sort of was the trajectory of my life of being a Westerner now. Uh, <laughs> but I joined the, yeah, I joined the army uh, back in 97 and then had a very short military career, unfortunately. And um, then after the military had a 20 year career in fitness and health and wellness. And now oh, I'm a nursing wow. student. So um, yeah, I'm on my third, my third go around here, but I think I found, finally found the right place. That's good. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Are you, you're almost done, right? Uh, I'll be graduating in February. Yeah. So wow. 
But it's, it's, I mean, that's just for the LPN program, but then the RN, I'm trying to bridge to become a registered nurse as well. So that'll take a couple more years, but, but yeah, so that's a, a sort of, I mean, there's, there's a lot more about me. <laughs> I think Lauren knows. I, yeah, I names. know a lot. I know uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I think we'll probably share a few things as we go along, but, uh, um, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Easterner transplanted to the to the western world here in, mm-hmm. in, in alberta and i've been living here since 1996 oh wow, wow. really that long yeah wow i thought you i don't know 96 i wasn't even graduated high school then carl yeah. i thought you were younger <laughs> than me <laughs> no i'm for, 45 so. okay so close we're close i'm almost 40 so yeah. um yeah awesome cool okay well tell us about tell us about your military career because you said it was short yeah how come yeah, it was short, short? Yeah. how come so so i joined the, the infantry uh third, i was in the third battalion tpcli which is uh, princess patricia's canadian light infantry and in that time, uh, well, for a tour in Bosnia in 1997 and found my seizure threshold <laughs> there, I guess. Um, I had a first seizure um, in October of 1997. So turns out... And you I had, had nothing adult... leading up to this, right? Nothing. No, nothing. Yeah. yeah. So adult on epilepsy at 21 years old. Um, imagine, imagine, you know, a young 19 or 20 or 21 year old, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, sort of living life to the fullest. And then all of a sudden a whole bunch of stuff is taken away from you at that point. And you're and like, my identity was, I was a young soldier and, and, you know, an athlete and all of that stuff. And then I couldn't drive. I couldn't play the sports I was playing. I couldn't do the job that I was doing. I was taken away from my team, you know, all of that stuff happened. And like, yeah, like in a second. And they don't know, they don't know what led to it or. No, like my sister has epilepsy as well, but um, everybody, everybody has a threshold. And for me, we've realized over the years that, stress not sleeping uh, like not having a regular sleep routine um and certainly alcohol <laughs> involved in that too and like just not living a good a healthy lifestyle is the the combination the, the the bad combination for me so that's what happened basically i was you know not taking care of myself not sleeping well um up all night because i was on you know gate duty and patrolling and all of that stuff and in a foreign country Although the peacekeeping at the young, time was, you're young. Like, I was young, you're 21, and, young and right? vibrant. Like, yeah, exactly. And but yeah, it wasn't a combat mission; it was a peacekeeping mission. But still, it's uh, you're in a foreign country carrying around a loaded weapon, and um, so there are some stressors uh, that come with that. Um, but for the most part, I think it was like a lot of lifestyle that, that led to the first seizure, and then from there, uh, yeah, <laughs> that led to like a four-year spiral. Um, and you know, since we're talking about mental health, I think we could chat about some of that stuff and how being a veteran and a mil- and, and a soldier uh, plays into to all of that as well. And and living with epilepsy and losing my identity as a soldier, like uh, absolutely. I, I want to know why. Why did you get into? Why did you get into the military? What led <laughs> you there? Well. If you know anything about Cape Breton, there's not a lot of work. <laughs> and you got I, two well, options. I, yeah, yeah, you go to school, you go to university, or you or you join the military, right? Mm-hmm. Or just work in the fisheries or whatever. And uh, I, I I went to university. I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So I I quit university. 
within a couple months. Actually, I stopped going to university pretty much right away. <laughs> and then I eventually quit when it was too late to get my money back. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And and I, I bet that was this. I remember like withdrawing from a course because my friend was yeah. like, we drink in the camper from 11 to 1. And your history course is at 11. Like, you're going to get I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm dropping that course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not so fun. that's sort of what I did. I did that for a while. And, um, yeah, I decided to, that just I wanted to get the heck out of Cape Breton. That's that's what led me to join the military. But I had an uncle in the military or in the Navy. I was always kind of fascinated about watching war films and you know things like that. I had friends in the reserves, and I thought, okay, I'll go join the reserves, hang out with my buddies there. And then I went to the recruiting office and I told them I grew up in the woods. I had a chainsaw in my hand since I was a kid. I played you know competitive yeah. hockey, blah blah, yeah. blah 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 blah, all this stuff, right? infantry (laughs) here's what we're gonna send you we'll take you yeah yeah that's what happened i said okay well what's the infantry and they said well have you ever watched you know the war movies yeah i was like well you know the guys that are you know digging the trenches and shooting the guns and all that stuff yeah okay that's infantry okay well whatever yeah i'm gonna send you to wainwright where's that Uh, alberta okay send me where do i sign and that's how it started wow wow Uh, that is so crazy that is so so you spend some time in wainwright Training, training, and then where was your first yeah. tour? Where was your first tour? Where you did one tour or so, two? Yeah, I just did the one. Okay. I, and so basically, after Wainwright, we went to battalion in Edmonton, and I was stationed in Greasebaugh, the old base there. Mm-hmm. And shortly, uh, like right away, we, as soon as I got out of base uh, training, we did training then to go to Bosnia. Um, and then, yeah, so in a year, so after. After my tour, I was out of the military in a year. So I spent three years in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Which was unfortunate because they they had signed me to say, like, yeah, once the medical situation is good, then we'll resign you. But the doctor said your medical situation is never going to be good for the military. Mm-hmm. But what they did is they waited, wait, waited out until my contract was over, and then they said sayonara instead of giving them medical release. Oh, Okay. So I want to I, I, I yeah. talk yeah. more on the seizure. The epilepsy is yeah. near and dear to my heart. My daughter mm-hmm. had a seizure when she was six, um, mm-hmm. and it came out of nowhere. Like, we had no indication. Same thing. Um, this year, she was to come off the pills, so <laughs> day one of coming off. I don't even think I've processed this, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm here to talk about it on Monday the first day she came off the pill she started she was at school and she was having something an episode we'll call it so they called me contacted me come and get her right away so I brought her home we got on the phone with the neurologist to put her back on the pills to try to wean her off because they don't know like what and like you said the stress and some she didn't want to come off the pills so there's a little bit of that anxiety wrapped up Mm -hmm. in it so for you uh did you you had the seizure in bosnia yeah yeah i had it i had it when i was on i was playing video games i was surprisingly playing video games but that's not a trigger for me (laughs) okay and so was it like with the lights and the grand mall seizure or did you have a different kind of seizure i had a i had a yeah, what's called a grand mal tonic clonic okay. seizure at the time. But what I have is, uh, so I can tell you a bit about the day, sure. which is quite yeah, interesting please. because I was, on, we were on the shooting range that day. 
for the entire day. So we were working with the Czech, the Czechoslovakian soldiers and, you know, exchanging weapons. That's kind of what we did, right? We would go to the range and uh, we would share weapons and just play for the day. And we had an over-the-shoulder uh, rocket launcher. It's called a Carl Gustav. And it's two people use it. Anyway, so when we were doing that, my, my partner was the shooter, and I was the one that took the, the, the casing out and put a new one in. <laughs> but the drill is to, like, when you take the casing out, you, you put a new one in, you tell your partner it's, it's time to fire again, but I didn't take the casing out. <laughs> so we found out that actually I was having absence seizures then. So I was on the rain, live fire range that day having absence oh. seizures. <laughs> and I didn't know it. I just thought, you know, I just was feeling kind of weird and tired, right? So then later on in the evening, I had that grand mal seizure. So that's typically what happens to me is I'll have absence seizures during the day. And then in the evening, I'll have a, a tonic-clonic seizure in the evening. And when was the last time you had a seizure? Oh, uh, February 2016. Okay. So okay. It's, it's, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> and are, are, you're on medication yeah. you're on yes. medication yeah i've been sort of talking uh, sharon to answer your question that like the i've been on i've been on a number of different meds over the years and i've uh you know i've been relatively controlled but as soon as stress and stuff comes into my life then it you know i would have seizures sometimes i would have two in one night i've had many trips in the ambulance i've been flown off uh, Sunshine Mountain while, while skiing, you know, on a helicopter. I had a, had a seizure up there. You know, so I've been in many, many emergency rooms. But um, the, the, the last neurologist I saw in 2015, actually 2000, after the February 2016 seizure, because I had two that night, um, he changed the meds. He said, you know, that the, you're on the wrong kind of medication for the type of seizures you're having. So I've been basically living the last five years feeling like a normal human being. Good. That That's so good. Like, yeah. yeah. It's good to hear. For so, for, yeah. For like 20 years, I've had the side effects and the anxiety, like you said, and worry about having other seizures, but the side effects have always been, you know, uh, drowsiness and this like all kinds of stuff. And um, it's been a challenge to say the least, to try to figure out the right meds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that, that's been sort of the story with the epilepsy. I mean, there's, there's lots more to that <laughs> as well. Like there's some, some significant, uh, seizures that have played a role in when I started taking care of myself, um, have played a role in my relationship with my wife, you know, like there's, there's a lot, right. My kids have seen me have seizures. Um, so there's a bunch of things that people with epilepsy or with seizure disorders that live with. It's that invisible illness that people don't see, right? Mm -hmm. I remember you had, you had John, uh, Archie, he was talking about the same thing. Like, you know, if you have, have a broken leg or you're in a wheelchair, people can sort of see that. But when you're living with PTSD or, or a depression or epilepsy, like in my case, if I'm not having seizures, people think I'm just perfectly okay. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is, I'm on meds, and there's always that worry and that that wonder when's when's the next one going to happen, right? Yeah, totally. I I can relate to that with the cancer, right? Like I have thyroid cancer, yeah. so I take a pill because I don't have a thyroid, and people mm-hmm. think, oh, well, you're good, 
you're good now. <laughs> just like, oh, there's yeah. a lot of side effects that come with, you know, that sort of, you know, living without a thyroid and having synthetic um, stuff to, you know, control your hormones and your metabolism and all mm-hmm. that. Like as my hair is like falling out in clumps, I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, it is, it is an invisible and I, I everyone has something, right? Like I had a conversation mm-hmm. la- last night with someone about like grief and loss and she was like, I feel like it's a, like a Debbie Downer topic. And I said, it's not though. Like everybody has something. It doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody has. And you've talked about like the identity thing. Like I lost my complete identity in the matter of seconds. Okay. So tell us Mm -hmm. um, about that. Cause I know the story. Um, But like how, how, what happened after, after the seizure? What, what happened? You mean the, the spiral? The spiral. I want, okay. yeah, I yeah. want the. So when people, when people often hear, like people that know me, you know, know that I'm a health and wellness coach and I've been uh, a very active and healthy person for the last 20 years. When they hear, hear me tell the four year story, they're like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, but so I'll try to make the story as short as I can. But um, basically, I'll start from the, the day that I drove out of the camp that we were in in Bosnia. Like I can still literally, like that is an emotional experience for for me because I can still remember seeing the gate close of that part of my life as I'm driving away, right? Mm. And uh, it's like that, it's basically at that point, I felt like I let everybody down. Mm-hmm. So the emotion that shows up then is shame, right? So I felt shame and embarrassment uh, for myself because I let everybody down and I had this seizure and, and no longer useful to my, to my brothers. Um, and so basically what happened from there is I started to drink pretty heavily. Uh, to, that was my coping, coping mechanism. And pretty much anything else that showed up on the table, <laughs> I did too. Uh, you know, it, I did a lot of a lot of drugs. I, I never did any hard drugs, but I did a lot of drugs and alcohol. And I combined them together, and then that was partying. And then so that was staying up for two or three days at a time, and that meant more seizures. And there was just that cycle of of you know, sort of poor coping mechanisms re- leading to more health problems. And I did that for my about four years. <laughs> and intimate relationships didn't happen. <laughs> I want one. Actually, I was I was telling a friend of mine this today. You know, like uh, talking about indifference, and I was like the king of indifference at that time. And for many years after that, uh, nothing mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Right? It it really did, but I would act as if it didn't, and that was the indifference. And one of my friends called me too weak, Carl. And this, if I was in a relationship with anybody and I didn't, <laughs> if I saw one thing I didn't like, okay, we're oh, done. That's it. Right. And that was, that's all me, but. So too weak, too weak, yeah, Carl, like, it can mean, it can mean two things, right? So <laughs> that's the beauty of it, right? That's, uh, yeah, that's an exactly. awesome nickname. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, like, yeah, I, I was just taking notes and I wrote it the other way. And then I was like, no, this is not what he means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Relationships lasted two weeks, but two I was weeks. too weak for the, re- <laughs> for the hard stuff. Two but you know, so, so I went through, through that sort of spiral for, for a number of years and, I mean, that bounced from job to job. I, yeah, and like, and I, I always say this I never actively tried to take my own life. 
but I, I've never, I never had the sort of foresight to think like all of these things that I'm doing are really dangerous and I might actually hurt myself or end up dead. You know what I mean? Like I was like, mm-hmm. I was on the high, like the, the fast lane all the time. Self-destructive, right? I actually, yeah. sp- I spoke about this the other day. Cause I said like, I did, uh, mine was uh, prescription medication or over the counter medication and alcohol. Yeah. But, and I remember thinking, you know, this is bad, but if I die, that's okay. And I'm like, that's suicide. Yeah. That is yeah. like, that's a suicide. Yeah. Cause nowadays that would be the worst thing in the entire world. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I was pretty, I was pretty wild. And you know, um, the people that the people that knew me then, like hearing me tell this story, would probably say, "What are you talking about?" Like I, I was functioning very well on the outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was coaching hockey, you know. I, you know, I was I was able to keep jobs for the most part, but you know, I bounced from one place to another because I was never comfortable in the same spot. But on the inside, like anytime I had an opportunity to be alone or to to pour a drink for myself or to dive into a, a pizza full of mushrooms. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I did that. Right. And it was, it was happening more and more and more and more. And then, uh, eventually, uh, I met my wife and then sort of, I started to <laughs> open up. So was this, was this like something she saw like, or like, when did the awareness piece come for you that was it like a pivotal moment or was yeah. it gradual? Was it like, there, there definitely, there was, there was both. Okay. I can, I can answer it both ways. So when I met Jen, I, it was interesting because when I met Jen, like I cried almost every night because <laughs> we just had these conversations and I felt comfortable with her. So I would be able to talk and then all of this stuff just kind of coming up and coming up. And I had nightmares all the time because a lot of the nightmares were about seizures. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I, one of them, as an example, is you know waking up in the middle of a busy street at night uh, with traffic everywhere and trying to figure that out, trying to like get out of the traffic uh, with people yelling and screaming and throwing things at me. Um, so in the sort of confusion after a seizure, and I would have that that dream over and over and over again. I don't have those dreams anymore, um, and I would have them less the more I talked about it. Right. And right. so. The more I, I would wake up in the middle of the night, you know, just crying my eyes, you know, bawling, bawling, bawling. So, you know, it's one of those things where you hold all that energy in until once you start allowing it to move, your body just releases it, right? And so, so that's one way. That's the gradual way where it happened. But then there was the there was a definite pivoting point where one night, my wife actually the first time she ever saw me have the seizure, I attacked her after having a seizure. So. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the postdictal phase after a seizure. Sometimes people can get very violent. I got very violent. <laughs> so we lived in a condo building and and so she was, you know, trying to tell me like that I had a seizure and it was a dark room. She was over top of me and immediately I started swinging and kicking. Mm-hmm. Chased her through the through the house, through a chair at the I, this is interesting. I think I saw myself in the mirror. And I threw a chair at it thinking that that was attacking, you know, that person was attacking me. Right. So I had glass all through my body, blood all over the place, oh chasing her through the hallway. So police were called, ambulance was called. It was almost like a domestic, right. Mm-hmm. And she thought that she was going to die that night. And so, so that has affected her. Right. So from years, years, years after that, you know, she would hear something drop in the shower 
you know, I dropped the soap and the shampoo in the shower. She'd be wondering, Carl, Carl, are you okay? Um, ready so to run at the same time, right? Like both, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So for, you know, you can, you could probably say that she's had some post-traumatic stress around that incident. <laughs> like course, not probably, absolutely. she definitely yeah, did. Yeah, right. For sure. Yeah. And so that was like, there was the gradual, like the talking and the, you know, doing all that. But then that one night was the night where I realized like, okay, I gotta really make some changes here. And I did, <laughs> I started, you know, really started working on figuring out what it was that I had to do to, mm -hmm. to sort of control it. And it was from that point on where I started having less seizures because I slept more, stopped going to bars, stopped staying up at night, you know, just the, the little things that uh, I had the lifestyle changes that I had to make mm -hmm. uh, that led to the lifestyle that I lead now. And I, you know, I went from two years without seizures to three to four to five and then and I'd get cocky and then <laughs> have another one. And, but I learn, I learn over time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so does that answer your question? It was like, absolutely. Happened it, gradually, but, but there was it, a big, like a big moment. For the yeah. Because yeah. I was wondering too, if that, like the awareness, if it comes from hitting the rock bottom on your own, or just, it seems to have come from a lot of different areas. Right. So I mean, yeah. it's so good because it's the best to me, for me, in my opinion, the best way to realize something is to be aware of it. And mm -hmm. when you speak to your wife and the PTSD, it's like, you're speaking my language right now because my daughter had the, the focal seizure. So the left mm -hmm. entire side of the body, um, it's like a stroke was, was yeah. numb and paralyzed. So I'm <laughs> for the first, like probably two three years after it was just like are you okay are you okay and i'm sure that it's annoying as fuck but it's mm -hmm. and then i could just see summer just rolling her like eyes. rolling her eyes like i'm fine right and then even since monday it's like yeah you hear a bang in the shower you hear whatever and it's like i'm standing right there watching over her and i'm sure like 12 she'll be 13 in two weeks that she's like leave me out, like, you know, leave me alone. But yeah. it's my own um, feelings that something yeah. could happen. Yeah. Is something happening? Right. I totally, you know, I, I hear that. And so it's, what's interesting is, well, one, she's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be a challenge for her. Right. Absolutely. Um, but to, I was, so I was an adult when I first started having mine, mm -hmm. but I can tell you, like, I, I I can remember many times where one night I was, <laughs> I was doing yoga in the living room. <laughs> so of course, Jen came rushing out of the room to make sure I was okay. Right. Which is natural response to somebody who lives with someone who has epilepsy. I respond with, with shame for myself, right? Like that. I just took that all in and like, Oh my God, like this, you know, I'm a burden on her. Right? right. So that she's responding that way. And, but then I responded with like sort of anger, like, would you leave me alone? Like, mm -hmm. I'm fine. I was just, you know, totally. so like her daughter's at, what mm -hmm. she's feeling is that probably that shame mm -hmm. of she, living with epilepsy. Right? And she doesn't, she like, this happened at school. She was in grade one. Now she's in grade seven. Yeah. She just is like, it's, it's cringy. I don't want it to happen. Like everything's cringy. And I'm like, your friends aren't going to think it's cringy. If you were in medical distress, they're going to be really worried. Nobody's going to be making, mocking you and making fun of you. But I like, yeah. I get that because 
13 on to, I don't know what, 18, everything is embarrassing and everyone's looking. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. And I just sort of, I'm just like, you gotta just, it is what it is basically, right? Like if people are looking yeah. at you and thinking you having a seizure is cringy, they can basically go fuck themselves, right? Yeah. Is how I yeah. think of it. That is basically what Sharon will go tell everybody at the school. That at the school. To say about it. If somebody is saying yeah. this is cringy, I'll be like, I'm ready to fight like a 13 year old. Like I'll fight you kid if you think that this is cringy. Cause I had to walk her out of the school with her like arm around my, I, and first of all, I went into first responder mode. I didn't, I wasn't even in mom mode. Mm -hmm. I was in, when I saw her on the ground, I looked at her and I was in first responder mode. And then when she could answer my questions and I could see she was okay, then I went into my mom. Are you okay? Like, honey, yeah. let's get your bag and go home. Right. But before yeah. that, I was like, what day is it? What year is it? You need to look at me, focus, look at my hat. <laughs> like I was in first. And I'm sure the yeah. teachers thought I was nuts, but I was like, it's like a it's it'll always be there. It's automatic. It'll that's, always be that's there. It's our training. Yeah, that's totally. our training for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the and, and it's not just being a teenager too, like as an adult, like I'm 45 years old and I still have those moments, right? Yeah. And I haven't had a seizure in almost six years and there's still moments where I feel shame, mm -hmm. right? And it, they're, they're not as big as they used to be and right. they, they happen less, right? So, um in those moments, you know, I would have had a major emotional reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I realize, okay, this is what it is. I notice and name it. And rather than going into the victim mindset of it and allowing that to control me, mm -hmm. I've learned over the years, but it's taken time, right? It's taken years and it's taken maturity and experience and, and going to therapy and, mm -hmm. and being a coach too, like going to coach training and coaching other people. Like, all of that has piled up to help me get to the point where I am. Have I not, like, if I didn't have all that stuff, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, honestly don't know where I would be today. Do you, do you feel like, do you ever get like, Oh, I can feel like things have gotten stressful. I'm, I'm close to getting a seizure. I need like to take a step back. The aura. Is that what they call yeah. it? Yeah. So I, so I don't, I haven't had the, auras necessarily but the absence seizures are those experiences for me like i'll be having these absence seizures and i don't know i'm having them until later and then i realize okay i just had an absence seizure and they, these are going to lead to the tonic, the tonic seizure later at night right so i need to do something about it and it's usually too late anyway but um yes so to, how do I answer that question? Because <laughs> it's different for everybody who lives with epilepsy, right? It's, yeah. I mean, there's so many types of seizures. Everybody's affected in different ways. Right. But the, the stress about it, if I can answer it this way, the worry uh, it, that used to be there for me when I was on different meds uh, is no longer there anymore for me. Mm -hmm. I don't have those moments. Do you think like, about it every day? Like, is it something that, or is it just like a week later, like, because people ask me that about cancer. Do you think about it every day? And I'm like, I rarely ever think about it. Yeah. So uh, it's the same. So we're talking about it now. So yeah. yes, I'm thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you might right? think about it tomorrow but on the day after, but yeah. I can, yeah, I can honestly go through a day and, and not really think about it, but I have to take meds twice a day. So right. I have yeah. to think about it twice a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Louis, I don't know if you're familiar with Louise Hay. Mm -mm. No, she's, I think she, she's, transitioned to the new world 
but um, she, she wrote many, many books. And one of the things I remember her saying is even if you're taking prescription medication is, is always say, thank you for my healing. Mm-hmm. So twice a day, when I take my meds, I say, thank you for, you know, thank you for my healing or thank you for, you know, allowing me to live this normal life because without those meds, <laughs> I'd be having a lot more seizures. Right. Yeah, so, totally. and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing now. Like, I mean, adventures my middle name and <laughs> like I love getting outside and doing things and I don't know if I'd be able to do that stuff and so the, bringing us to like what are you doing now like what have you transitioned yeah. into so right now I'm in nursing school so um that that's a long story in itself but I'll try I'll be super quick on that like <laughs> my, my goal and my plan was to be in the military for seven to ten years and then you know go police or fire or paramedic or something like that so I've always wanted to be in the service world um with with you know the I don't know just like a uniform service job right and I realized a couple of years ago that oh I can do nursing like I can work in the same place. I can serve and help people and blah, 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 blah. And I'm actually doing really well and I'm healthy now. So that's where I explored that. And yeah, I'm an, and I know that I'm in the right place. I'm starting practicum on ter- Tuesday. Um, but, you know, just getting, going to school and doing the lab work and taking the courses and all of that stuff, everything that I've done up until this point has led me to the right place. So, Absolutely. And volunteering at the hospital, volunteering at the children's hospital. Uh, is a perfect example of, you know, like every time I go there, I'm like, yeah, this is this where is I'm going to be. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's, but you did yeah. coaching, like you did fitness yeah. coaching, life coaching for mm-hmm. years, which I, I'm sure yeah. it's still something you do, right? Like we, even when we talked about yeah. us, we, we, we talked about it, right? And you're, yeah. you're, you love adventure. Like, yeah. Carl used to have a podcast. <laughs> and okay. we, that's all we talked about was adventure. It was the best, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a podcast with that. It was one of, that's one of my my faults is taking on way too many things. Yes. So Sharon, to answer your questions, like what am I doing now? <laughs> I'm focusing on school. That's my focus Good. and priority. Mm-hmm. But I, I you know, I do have I do have a couple jobs and you know, so I, I do some hockey skills training for a company in Calgary here. So I do a couple hours a week where I'm teaching hockey and I I work for AHS in the vaccination clinic once a week or so. Um, I volunteer at the, at the the children's hospital. And of course I've got a family, but uh, when I'm not doing all of those things, I'm finding trails or mountains or, you know, like doing something outside. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like as far as coaching goes, I'm not, not, I don't have any clients that I'm working with right now. Um, But I think, I, I took a step back from all of that stuff because I wanted to focus on school. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to take any clients on down the road, but I think actually once I'm into nursing, I'll probably end up doing some health and wellness and adventure coaching uh, with nurses or first yeah. responders or, you know, that in this community, a sheepdog community or something where, because yeah. it's needed. <laughs> it's definitely needed. Yeah, like, totally. Getting people outside together in groups uh, and having you know, meaningful converse- conversations and discussions about life. Yeah, it's totally needed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, you've you've done quite you've done quite a lot. Hey, like you mm-hmm. lived uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot in your forty five years, right? So, 
done a few things. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, right? I, I always. That's what, that's what life is for. You got to yeah, live absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So adventure. That's what, that's how I used to. Uh, my signature on my emails. That's what it was always like. Live your adventure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I had yeah. a conversation with a friend yesterday. Or yes, yesterday or the day before about like how we're very different from our parents' generation, right? Because when mm -hmm. I, I remember when I was leaving the jail, my parents were like, what? You're leaving a, like, of course government. they kind of knew what was going on, but at the same time, they're like, you're leaving a government job and you're just going to like, do what? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to do something else. But, and yeah. we're kind of like, of course you didn't choose to leave the military, but it's like, oh, it's okay. I'll just, I'll do something else. Oh, I'll find mm -hmm. something else. Oh, this is, this is the path I'm taking right now. And I know mm -hmm. you, you're like, nah, let's take the adventure. Let's see where it takes us. Right. And if it's not <laughs> yeah. it, ah, we'll go somewhere else. Right. Like the yeah. adventure is ex exactly how I look at life too. It's very much like, ah, let's, we'll take this one. See we'll what see. happens. Yeah. And it, what yeah. can go wrong? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, true. <laughs> you can end up with a bad sunburn and really bad. My whole upper body's blistering. I made a stupid oh, mistake. No. When you went paddle boarding the other day? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so one thing that just popped up in my mind, like Dwayne, you met Dwayne, Lauren, yeah. Uh, yeah. a friend of mine from back in the day. And, and, uh, and to answer Sharon's question, what am I doing now? I, I'm, I'm still like the adventures I'm doing, I'm hanging out with other veterans, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I said you're still kind of doing it. Just... Yeah. Like the important thing there though is, and this is what we talk about when we get together is we're not going out to get drunk. We're not going out and doing the same stuff we used to do. We're doing something different and, and we're doing it outside and it's mm -hmm. physical and there's shared suffering and conversation and all of that stuff. Uh, which I think is actually healing for us. And that's, I think, what's so key because, you know, in, in this sort of first responder world, we, we hear PTSD all the time. And I don't think enough people are moving. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, a, that's a key to, to, to healing is moving, getting moving, and then having that shared experience with people and then having a reflection time and conversation with that. So that's why I do it. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also like I call it my church. Yeah, yeah. I, there you go. To the trails, right? The trails and the mountains and the water and everything else is church for me. I grew up in the country. That's that's why I'm drawn to it. So you're connected to it already, right? Yeah. yeah. And I I think yeah. when people start um, paying attention, like like I I'm almost done 75 heart, almost done. I'm on like day 72. <laughs> but it's like it's like paying attention yeah. to when I would pick up a drink. Why, why would I pick it? I, I can't mm -hmm. drink for 75 days, but why, why was I picking it up just for something yes. to do or, um, because of the situation that I'm in, it's brought mm -hmm. like massive awareness. Uh, I, and I've done a lot of, a lot of work around, um, the drinking thing prior, but you know, you mm -hmm. kind of, you kind of see yourself going back into this like old patterns, different, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, I love, I love doing that work. Right. And paying attention mm -hmm. and going, okay, why? Cause my kid is driving me nuts today. Here we go. Take it down a notch here. <laughs> yeah. Something that just jumped out at me when you said, you know, you can't drink for 75 days. You've yeah. chosen not to drink. for. I've chosen days, not to right? drink. And that's yeah. a difference. Right. And you know, yeah. you understand NLP and the language of the power of the spoken word. And, you know, we, when we choose to do things and, and I mean, the, the Listen to the, what we've been saying, people have been saying for the last year and a bit. Lockdown. 
-hmm. We haven't been in a lockdown. No! <laughs> like, we're not under martial law, right? Like, we've had <laughs> regulations and we've had restrictions, but we haven't been locked down. But when I, when I hear people say that, and just in this in general, but it transfers to everything else, like the way we speak about things plays a mm -hmm. huge role in the energy that we take to it. So, yeah, we've had things change and, and it's been difficult for a lot of people but it could be worse, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things, you know, I used to think, and if I could wrap, wrap up sort of the last 20 some odd years from the first seizure, I initially in those first four years, I thought of it as a burden, right? And I thought of myself as a burden for many years, but then I eventually realized that this epilepsy, these seizures were a gift mm -hmm. because it, it taught me to think differently about life. And it's helped me learn a lot of things. And I now I have empathy and compassion for people that are suffering in their illnesses and their stories and stuff like that. And I can take that into nursing. And so like when I look back, it's like, wow, this is like this happened for me because when I look back at where I was at 19, 20, 21, I was just a wild soldier. Yeah. <laughs> <Right? laughs> but now um, I'm much different because of it. So I, I had a talk. That I that I wrote up that I used to give about that, like, and I call it the gift of epilepsy. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love that because it is. I agree with you on so many different uh, things. The retreating into nature that was huge when we were in the first so-called lockdown. Like we just got outside all the time, and I just found being outside. It's like it's like we just never did it as much traveled mm -hmm. all through Alberta. I said, we're so lucky to be here. We took in a lot of stuff and it's the mindset too. If you, if you feel defeated, of course, if you're talking, I can't, or I'm broke all the time or this blah, blah, blah. It's your mindset around it. And mm -hmm. I love that. And mm -hmm. trying to explain that to a teenager is like, impossible though right it is yeah. i'm like I, i'm gonna ship her off to you for the summer i'll just tell her i'll tell her it's a camp camp carl and uh you're gonna learn about epilepsy that's funny because my, my friend Dwayne and i were just when we were paddleboarding on monday we were talking about that because imagine if we could get like 12 parents to send their kids to us and we could take them for a couple of weeks and do something. <laughs> uh, we got all these ideas that we would do. Yeah. <laughs> another one is getting first responders and veterans out and doing stuff like that. Absolutely. Too. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I got to meet Dwayne uh, when we went to Legacy Place that day. Oh, cool yes. guy. Like, yeah. and yeah. such a cool, he has a wicked story too. Like, oh. just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, you need to have him on the podcast. We are. We're totally, he's on our list. I He's promise. Yeah, list. He is on our our list. list is huge. But our that's list okay. is massive. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's we're going to go into different categories. We're like, okay, well, we'll put that yeah. person here. This person can go yeah. here. Yeah. It's, uh, but that's exactly it. When you connect with these people and you have these conversations, it's like, we don't want to stop. Right. It's absolutely. Yeah, we, we have, you know, we may have different experiences. I, like, I used to go to the Center for Spiritual Living in Edmonton, and they have a saying that like, we all have, like, there's, many pathways to the same destination right mm -hmm. and we all have our like you said earlier Lauren we all have our own experiences we have our story my wife used to tell me this all the time like everybody has their story and if you can find a way to connect to the story then you can connect to the person and you know we all have our different stories and pathways and like you know different experiences you have had cancer right I have epilepsy and you know like, it's just the, but if we can learn to connect to the shared experience in that mm -hmm 
then there's movement forward in the right direction for everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's the camp there. The campfire chats. Campfire yeah. chats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those yeah. are, yeah, yeah, they're good. They're good. Oh. Yeah. Or just yeah. like little conversations that we get to have, not even on the podcast, right? Like even Carl and I met, um, we were talking about this before we jumped on the podcast, but Carl put together the sheepdog call at the beginning of COVID. And I got a friend of mine sent me, hey, check this out. And like, just started connecting with a bunch of people and I like loved those calls. We tried to do one a couple yeah. weeks ago, but everyone was kind of busy. Uh, but yeah, it was like, I looked forward to them. I, I loved listening. I knew nothing about the military mm-hmm. um, prior to that, like barely any, what my grandpa told me before 2001 um, <laughs> is kind of what I knew, but like the conversations, like I remember I knew nothing about the, the gun thing that was happening, like the Trudeau gun thing. And I just like <laughs> sat there, I was like, wow, this is, oh I knew nothing, but it was so good. It was so yeah, good. Do you remember we, that conversation, eh, Carl? Oh, I remember that conversation because we had, we had some, yeah, we had an interesting chat that day because we had a bunch of veterans and Lauren. <laughs> and actually, I, don't know, I don't think Teresa was on that night, but we, anyway, we had, yeah, we had a group of, a group of veterans that had been to Afghanistan numerous times. And we had, you know, we had a a broad range of people, but the majority was veterans and the gun stuff was that, that conversation came up and I was like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) I don't want to go there. It was a good conversation. So it was because I literally just sat there going, I don't know any of this. Like this Mm -hmm. is totally out of my, but I thought it was super cool because then when people start talking about it, I'm like, Oh, well, here's, I don't know anything, but here's what I, these are the two sides I've kind of heard. So (laughs) I I learned a lot. I, I think you learned a lot during that conversation. And I could see Lauren go, oh my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know any of it. It was so good. Yeah. But it was, and yeah. it was interesting to learn about, you know, and we would, like, our, my experience as a corrections officer, and then we had EMS, and then we had, you know, CPS. Like, we had so many different people. Yeah. And uh, Carl did a beautiful job of leading it and, like, bringing it back all mm-hmm. the time, right? Because we were so like, okay. We're, we're way gone right now because we yeah. usually had a topic sometimes we didn't but we usually had like a yeah. quote um or something that we came with that we all um that, and none of us are quiet none of us didn't have anything to, except the gun one I was like I'm just gonna sit back and listen to this uh yeah but some of those calls were like two hours long which was awesome I loved it right and um yeah it was mm-hmm. good it was super good I'll do them again yeah thank you absolutely thank you. I can't wait I'll tell Sharon to come so, oh, yeah, and sure. Adele would come. Remember, I would invite Adele. Adele came a few times. That's right. <laughs> yeah. She was our other female. Uh, okay, Sharon, go ahead. You can ask them. Uh, okay. As, as we come to a close, uh, we've been asking our guests this season, um, what are you living for? That's an awesome. I love that question. Yeah, good. <laughs> so I've, I've heard a couple of your podcasts. So I'll, I'll be mm. honest. I've had the opportunity to think about it. But the, <laughs> yeah. the first thing I thought about as soon as I heard the question was okay i'm not going to say the cliche i'm living for my family because everybody's going to say that right mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that stuff I'm, i want to make a difference in the world okay but this is the honestly the first thing that i thought about is i want to squeeze every last drop out of life uh, that i possibly can until i take my last breath mm-hmm. and you know 
what does that mean? Well, that means that, you know, I want to, to, well, adventure. <laughs> I want to yep. go on as many adventures as I possibly can. I want to learn as much as I can. I want to laugh as much as I can, you know, like, uh, like all of that stuff. And uh, I don't know if you follow David Goggins, but he always talks about, you know, like when he goes to see meet his maker, like the maker's got the list of things that David was supposed to do in his life. And David's going to take another list with him and say, yeah, but I did on all these extra things too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sort of that's, that's sort of my mindset too, right? I want to finish up life having exceeded the expectations and, um, you know, that's the, the adventure side of it is, is, is where it's at, right? I'm constantly thinking of, okay, what can I do next? Mm-hmm. And my next adventure is, uh, running West along the trails, along the bowl Ooh. river and then, fl- and then floating back, floating <laughs> like, back. Yeah. Little, little things like that. You yeah. Know, fun stuff like that. But Dwayne and I were swimming in the bowl river the other day. Like it's so, so if you think of that, right, like just, if there's like, 100 million drops of juice in life like i want to squeeze the 100 million drops of juice yes. <laughs> out of this lifetime oh yeah. love it no I one would ask if i did it yeah yeah. So. yeah and staying healthy and uh doing all those things are a massive part of that right like right so yeah. you know what i actually thought one day i'm like who does this guy look like david goggins and now i'm looking at you and you kind of <laughs> look like david goggins well, i don't know about that we don't have the same color skin but... I, I don't know you're the white you're the white one you're the white I, I mean seriously well is it because i shaved my head i'm gonna put it Sharon, when we put his picture up put david goggins and then, david goggins. <laughs> and then ask people if they think because i'm i'm, I'm I might not be onto something here. It's not always just about adventure. It, it could be snuggling with my daughters or mm-hmm. having a conversation with my wife or whatever it is. Right. And when somebody says, Hey, what happened in 1995 or whatever? And you know, like I'm on Google trying to find that answer. <laughs> you know, like, I want to get as much out of <laughs> learning everything else I can. So. That's awesome. my answer. I hope it was satisfactory. It was. It was, it was awesome. I was more than satisfied. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you yeah. so much cool. for being here. We appreciate your time and uh, your answer because yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, I was. It was fun to chat with you guys. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also, feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also, feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, love. Lauren and Sharon.